From the alley-oops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off-season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Josh Allen is firmly at the head of the table, and the 49ers defense is the turkey, and he carved us up. That was beautiful. The the 49ers defense did not cover well, but they made up for it by not rushing the passer well and not tackling well. Not only that, but they also didn't take care of the football well. They didn't check out of play calls that were going to end in bat. They didn't do anything well tonight offensively or defensively i think that's pretty accurate um yeah this this game was weird starting right i mean i think that was one of the weirdest first few drives four drives in fact of the in the entire season um the fact that the 49ers defense got the stop on the goal line i was completely shocked because they were just i mean anything that he wanted he got in this entire game and that drive, they just marched right down the field. I'll be honest, Josh Allen looked like a perennial all-pro in this game. And he made the 49ers defense, I mean, look bad. I mean, he just completely annihilated them. Uh, it was not a good look for the 49ers. It didn't matter if they were in zone or in man. He just smoked them. Yeah, they they got lit up like a Christmas tree. They did not look good on the back end they didn't look good on the front end they couldn't get any pressure they couldn't upset him at all and as a lot of people know that's the way you stop josh allen uh they didn't really stop to run well even though buffalo didn't attempt to run the ball too much but they just everything they tried did not work bad performance today from the defense um the offense did about what i expected him to do I just didn't expect the defense to give up 34 points. That was the big thing, you know, like like you guys said, uh, offensively, 21 points out of this team. That's 24. A, 24, my apologies, 24. 24 points out of this team, three touchdowns, three scoring drives and then touchdowns. That's about what you can expect with Nick Mullins at the helm. You're, you're not going to get a whole lot more than that out of him and out of the offense, especially when you put them in any sort of I mean, the, the, the perennial thing that sticks in my mind for Nick Mullins, for what Nick Mullins is, is the third and short at the goal line quarterback sneak attempt that ends in a false start. I yeah. mean, this is why you can't, you can't put, you cannot expect him to win you a football game. He's going to do that. And then the very next play turns around and for the second straight pass attempt, throws behind a receiver and ends in a pick. And that's the end of the scoring drive. Uh Everything that could go wrong offensively at the wrong times went wrong. And defensively, every single time, other than that first goal line stop uh, and then the fumble recovery on the botched handoff exchange, every other time that the Niners needed something out of the defense, third and shorts, did not get it. Yeah, this was the first time in the last few weeks that it was really evident, again, that the 49ers' pass rush just wasn't there, and especially on the edges. Over the um, last year, 49ers definitely would have been able to stop Josh Allen and it would have been a, a lot different game just with Nick Bosa and D Ford but without them you can see the clear athletic ability of Josh Allen he was able to escape the pocket 
always getting to the right and being able to make throws on the run and he made fantastic throws he's very accurate with the ball he put it in the right places stefan Diggs was basically uncoverable cole beasley was destroying people in the slot um it was a it was just a complete offensive domination from the bills and it was it was hard to watch at times and frustrating to watch because they really didn't have third and long they never really suffered any of those and the 49ers just defensive wise could not stop them and you're right with nick mullins at the helm the 49 49ers cannot win any sort of a shootout and so anytime that happens and the defense doesn't dominate a game they are not going to win so that's going to be a uh, scary moving forward yeah it's not it's not a great thing um the one bright light was they got the running game going a little bit today offensively probably the best it's looked in a while since the patriots game i mean i mean yeah I mean, I didn't think the the run game looked good. Every time they tried to run a sweep, it was pretty much blown up besides Mostert in the fourth quarter. Um, they had the run where they tried to get Tevin Coleman out and lost nine. It's just, I oh, mean. The way is, oh, and then the, is, goal, the goal line one, too, where he loses right. five. And just Has anyone checked on Tevin Coleman since I hit, by the way? Well, Tevin Coleman got trucked at the goal line one. Yeah, that one was so bad. And you know what? It just seemed like the play took so long to develop. The guy gets across Mike McGlinchey's face. And McGlinchey yeah. was there, too. The first two steps, McGlinchey is there. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom how that happens. How, how he gets – because he didn't get stopped for a no gain or a yeah. loss of one. He got stopped for a loss of, like, three or four yards. I do have to ask you guys, too. The time that Wilson gets stopped on the fourth and goal, you know, before the whole fumble thing happens, why is – Wilson in why isn't Mostert in because if you watch that play clearly a bounce outside and it's a touchdown the yep. hole is a mile wide yeah Trent Williams blows that guy yeah dude he, th- he threw he threw him in we saw that earlier in the year where it was I think it was Mostert they ran a similar action play a similar style play where Trent crashes down and he blows the dude inside and our guy tries to force it up the middle when the outside's there Guys aren't watching film or guys aren't understanding yeah. what's available there because it's the second time we've run a goal line play like that where the outside's available and we don't take it. Yeah, the tight end even got the kick out block. It was Yeah, if goal. he plants his foot and goes left as he walks it. Yeah, he's got to, and at least if he's only going against Edmonds one on one, he has a better chance of than going against three guys. Yeah. You know, I mean that it just to me I didn't understand why he was in it. I know he's kind of the battering ram back that we have. But in that sort of thing, you kind of want your best running back in. And I thought Raheem Mostert would have been the better option. I'm fine with Jeff Wilson being the back there and the guy there, as long as you understand your advantage in that situation. Your advantage in that situation one-on-one is not lowering the shoulder against Tremaine But that's why I'm not okay with him being in, because Raheem Mostert is a better reader of blocks, is a better reader of holes. And he could have gotten in that hole, and he could have made the play. And he's definitely stronger this year. He would have been able to power in and make the play. I I just don't understand it. Well, it's almost going back years ago, USC, Texas, not having Reggie Bush on the field. Right. Yeah, Lindell White was the battering ram. But same thing, if Reggie's in, he bounces out around the edge. Or he jumps over the top of everyone. He's just too athletic. you got to have your best player on the field in that situation. 100% agree. Running back. Yeah. And if you're going to run the ball, you put the ball in the hands of your best running back. Uh, same thing at the end of the game. The 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 scheme design on that pick that Mullins throws in the red zone uh, with what they were looking for, they weren't trying to get the, the ball to one of their three best receiving options in Reed, Ayuk, or Debo Samuel. 
It looked like they were looking for Bourne, potentially. Bourne was opening on the inside route um, before Mullins gets out of the pocket. And it looked like he was looking right to, to Jeff Wilson for the majority of the, of the route concept. I, I don't understand some of the design. I know they probably had a look that they were going for and didn't get it. And maybe there was a checkout that should have happened that didn't happen with Mullins in the game. Uh, it just Some of it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. One other thing that I didn't understand today was it seemed like they used Jeff Wilson a lot as the receiving back instead of Jarek McKinnon. I don't understand. I didn't see Jarek McKinnon very much at all. I didn't see Tevin Coleman very much at all. Nope. I didn't see Raheem Mostert that much. We they, saw they a lot of Wilson. Jeff Wilson today. They did. And maybe the other guys aren't 100% yet. I'm sure they were trying to ease in Tevin. And I know they're always careful with Jarek McKinnon. But, yeah, to me, the running game just never really looked like it was clicking. Once again, we saw some some Tom Compton, some Colton McKivitz, kind of a mixture and I mean, kind of mixed results, you know. And I feel like at this point, if you're that unsure about Compton, you gotta go. Let the kids go. Yeah, yeah. Let McKivitz roll, because Compton, obviously, I'd have to go back and rewatch the game to give you a breakdown of him. But it seemed like when the plays were ran behind him, he was getting stood up by the defensive tackle, and he wasn't getting much push if no. he didn't have help. Well, it pretty much regularly happens, and the reason that it regularly happens is because they load the box. The linebackers are all biting, coming inside. You saw it on the touchdown to Ayuk. They all bit on the run because they know that consistently Mullins cannot beat them. So they load up on the run and they bring blitzes and they bring heat. And you've seen it for weeks now because they, they know the 49ers can't beat them. The only time the 49ers beat them today was when either they were playing completely off or when Brandon Ayuk got behind them or something creative with Debo Samuel catching the ball and running. Other than that, these guys, they know that Mullins can't consistently beat them, so why would they do anything else? Yeah, there, there's nothing else for them really to do other than wait exactly what they did, which is make sure the 49ers ground game does not get going, and they did a great job of slowing it down. I mean, the, the 49ers run game wasn't non-existent. It was just sporadic. It was hit or miss. It was either one great run and then you wouldn't see anything for the next 10 carries or it was, you know, two or three good carries of two to three to two to three yards. But we weren't getting those five yard gashers, those six yard gashers, those 10 yard gashers uh, once every three or four plays. Uh, it was once a drive. And when you're getting them once a drive and then nothing else, like I said, you're putting it in the hands of Mullins. And I got to give the, the Monday night crew a little bit of credit here, a little bit of credit. They made a somewhat accurate analysis when they said that Nick Mullins wasn't a great quarterback. They are right there. The rest of the statement after that was wholly incorrect. He's not a very good quarterback or a really, really good quarterback. He's a good backup. He's a solid backup. You saw it tonight. The, the, the throws at the end of the game in the red zone, both behind receivers. One of them that results in us not putting the ball in the end zone with Kendrick Bourne's catch at the goal line. And the other one that results in a pick. Nothing about those throws is is good. Nothing about those throws. A good quarterback doesn't make those throws. A good quarterback puts the ball in space and lets the guy go score. Or puts it puts it in the right spot, but maybe it's a little too low or a little too high. A good quarterback misses in the right spot. He doesn't miss in a bad spot. Yeah, I think it's getting real clear that the 49ers need a quarterback that can beat people down the field. The way that they're able to uh, jam up the box and then also all the corners are just jumping routes we don't have we have no one that really gets beyond the field that's why you see them jumping on brandon Ayuk when he does a little little hip head fake and then he gets down the field and they know that mullins isn't going to consistently be able to make these throws and he made that one and really brandon Ayuk made a great job or did a great job adjusting to the ball catching it it was too far outside 
if he had led him up the field, it would have been a touchdown right there. So I think that the, it's being real clear that the 49ers don't have someone that can go accurately down the field. Now, Jimmy did it sometimes, especially with George Kittle, and that was at least something that people had to fear. People do not fear Nick Mullins. They do not fear the 49ers offense, and they're just loading up and making sure the run game never gets started. And the run game's not as good as it was last year. No, it is not. Not but even there's close. There's your understatement of the week. Yeah. Just because I said I saw some brightness out of it, didn't it? Yeah, so, of course, let's, let's talk about our key offensive matchups and how they went. And let's just see if we were right. If these matchups would have went our way, if the 49ers could have been successful. Horse, what was your offensive key matchup for the game? Mine was about getting Ayuk and Debo Samuel the ball out in space. Uh, they did it a little bit, I think. I, But Debo Samuel didn't have a touch until the third quarter. I mean, Ayuk had a pretty good game, 5 for 95 and a touchdown. Um, they got the ball to him some, but between those two, when you're missing Kittle, eight catches is not enough. And especially with all the different ways we've seen them get the ball before, whether a fly sweep, whether actually lining up in the backfield and taking a toss or a handoff, um, I felt like, to me, between those two, they need 20 touches. Yeah. In, in this situation where they're missing Kittle when they don't have Jimmy, those two need 20 touches. And they didn't get it. And it showed because Kittle, or even um, Ayuk and Debo both, when they did get the ball today, they did make plays. Is the thing they just weren't able to get the ball in their hands enough. And I don't know if that was scheme. I don't know if there were a lot more plays called for when Mullins wasn't able to get them the ball for whatever reason. But they didn't get the ball enough, and it showed on the scoreboard. I agree with you 100%, sir. <laughs> Quick on the, the change over there. It's fine. Now you just edit that out. I don't know. Uh, my offensive key matchup. Yeah, you were still talking. I changed it to me. It's all right, though. I went back to it. It's fine. It's fine. No, no, no. It's fine. My offensive <laughs> key matchup was Nick Mullins versus himself. And unfortunately... For the 49ers, he didn't get out of his own way. Uh, I know he had the three touchdowns. I know he threw, threw for 300 yards. I know the Sunday night or the Monday night football crew threw up a nice graphic of uh, quarterbacks with 13 starts and pass yardage, and he's third all time. But that doesn't really mean anything when you're not winning games, and Nick Mullins isn't really he's winning games. He's not winning games. He's under 500. He, he isn't making good throws. He's missing guys that he shouldn't miss. Uh, even the touchdown pass to check was high. Yeah, it was high. Yushek had to go up and make a play in order to bring it down to put that ball in the end zone. Um, sometimes he's indecisive in the pocket. The deep throw to Ayuk down the sideline was be was behind and outside of him. Ayuk had to do a bunch of turning. He couldn't tell where the ball was going to be in space. And like you said, if he throws him in stride there, it's a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I, he just isn't consistent and he isn't making good decisions. He makes terrible decisions at the wrong time, and then on top of the the bad breaks, the the Ayuk drop that hits off of Bills players' hands, pops up in the air, ends up in a pick. That's not on Mullins. He actually put the ball in a decent spot there. Um, but you have to be able to make more consistent throws when stuff like that happens. When you have that sort of play happen early in the game, you got to make throws to keep drives alive late in the, later in the game. And he didn't do that on third and, some third and sixes, some third and ones. He misses some some opportunities. He sits in the pocket, takes some shots that he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't take. Um, uh, just get not getting us in and out of some plays. The the toss to 
to Tevin Coleman that you had brought up earlier. Uh, I don't know how you expect Brandon Ayuk to move a 350-pound DN barreling downhill. Uh, and he's got three or four yards between him. I don't know how you expect him to make that Perfect block effort. consistency. I, I don't know how you expect him to make that block consistently and for that play to end well for us there in that situation. It's just not going to. If Kittle's on the field and you have Kittle in that spot on the inside there that he can crack down, I understand. But you even don't have Debo. Kittle there. Uh, even Debo. Just somewhat a bigger wide receiver or a bigger tight end option. A, a actual legitimate blocking option there on the end to crash down on that D end. In the, he was in a, he was in a nine technique. He wasn't head up on the on the tackle with the tight end. He's outside. Uh, it, it just he can't get out of his own way, and unfortunately, he gets he gets in his own way at the wrong times consistently, and it stalls any potential for this Niners offense to actually reach its full potential. Yeah, I, I think sometimes he still isn't checking to the right plays. I think that's real clear. Horses over here throwing stuff at Alex. Um, and that was as accurate as Nick Mullins passes today. Um, it definitely missed a mark. And I don't know <laughs> what is up with Nick Mullins not being able to connect with Jordan Reed consistently. Oh, my Lord. Um, Jordan Reed gets open, and Nick Mullins just can't can't throw it to him. I don't know what the deal is. Um, something about a big target must be hard for Mullins to um, find. But uh, my key matchup was the 49ers run game. We touched on this a lot. And just like that with the Tevin Coleman, I think a lot of times Nick Mullins won't get into the right play. That was a time you should have checked to something else. The look wasn't what they were looking for. Um, they could have easily went to the second play, and it possibly could have been better. Um, and if if both plays aren't going to work, that's a good time to burn a timeout and show that, hey, it's just not there. I don't know what this guy's doing, but the run game wasn't consistent, and we talked about it um, enough already that I won't get into it too much, but they definitely didn't do enough on to, to run and beat the Bills, and they would have had to have keep Josh Allen off the field today, and they did not do it. And so, yeah, that's a big fat L on my uh, offensive key matchup. <laughs> It's straight beast time. I know you may be thinking to yourself, what straight beast? But there were some good offensive performances today from a few players on the offense. And Ant, we'll start with you. Who did you have for straight beast this week? Yeah, I chose uh, Kyle Juszczyk. I thought that he had, you know, the first run of the game is from him and he gets like five yards. Um, I thought also him catching the ball in the backfield for the touchdown. It was a great individual play. He caught a ball that was kind of high, was still able to get around and then power in for the touchdown. Great effort from him. He consistently plays well. He consistently blocks well. Um, I wish we could see more Kyle Juszczyk in the offense. Um, I know it wasn't in the game plan, but when it was today, he executed at a high level. So that's why I picked him as my straight beast. My straight beast offensive player of the week, I'm going to go with Jordan Reed. And there's more. He did have the nice touchdown catch at the end of the game. He made a few catches throughout the game. But he shows high effort blocking. He shows he plays with high effort the whole game. You can see him out there running his routes hard every time. He's open. It's not his fault. They can't get the ball to him. And I think Jordan Reed needs to be shown a little love because he's playing much better than his numbers would indicate. Agreed, 100%. Oh, yeah. We know Alex agrees. We definitely agree. But he isn't my straight beast this week. My straight beast is going to go to Brandon Ayuk. I know there was some upsetness from a certain individual here this in the studio. Right here. Oh, Bo, you as well. 
He knocked the ball up in the air to get picked off. I don't think he intentionally knocked the ball up in the air, and I do want to point out he that he was he was also he was also illegally contacted downfield, and they didn't call it, but they happened to call it for uh, against Richard Sherman. But it's, it's, it's fine. Other than that, the route running from him was fantastic today. You could see the amount of respect that Tredavious White and uh, the, the DBs there for the Bills had on his routes, all his inside breaking routes, like Ant had pointed out earlier, they jumped on and was able to get him over the top in space. He was able to create a lot of separation and get open. Uh, overall, I think he had a fantastic day for, again, a guy coming in playing with a backup quarterback. He looked really solid, really great. I liked what I saw out of him in the offense. I wish we could have got Debo involved more early because I think it would have opened up opportunities for both of them, the run game and Jordan Reed, had we be able, been able to get Debo involved. But I think that was by design. By it the was. I think, to, I think it was definitely by design to use Debo as a decoy. And I think that um, the whole idea was to use Debo that, Debo that way and then get the ball to Brandon Ayuk and to also get it to Jordan Reed. But there was a lot of missed opportunities there, but also get Kendrick Bourne involved. And um, it was interesting that, you know, they didn't really get Debo involved until the third quarter, but I think there was opportunities to do so. And I don't think they'll make the same mistake in the future. Um, this is one of those times when you're you're wishing you had George Kittle because you've seen Ross Dwelly have some plays and you know George Kittle could have made even bigger plays. He would have put stress on the safeties and linebackers, which doesn't always happen because we had Jordan Reed playing a lot of the kind of the power slot, and it's too bad that we couldn't have George Kittle at tight end with him in the power slot. It would make a big difference, but we'll see what happens in the future. You know, I don't know. Think I don't know if we're gonna get Jordan Reed back next year, but. I still would love to see one game with Jordan Reed and George Kittle together. RZKB making plays. No, no, no RZKB. what happened today. <laughs> no RZKB at all discussion on this podcast. No, no. RZKB is a straight G. I don't know about He's sh- a dude. He's I don't know dude. about straight G, but what is a straight G is this podcast, these episodes. We are straight Gs for putting this content out for you every week, high-level top quality content yeah yeah so make sure you scroll down hit that like button hit the subscribe button if you're not already we got 209 followers on facebook where are you guys you need to subscribe to the youtube page show some love show some report hit that notification bell after you subscribe so you don't miss any of this great content let us know you subscribed we'll shout you out absolutely we will shout you out let us know you hit that subscribe button we'll show you some love but now we need to talk about our defensive key matchup, which happens to be not a lot of love, I don't think, this week. Horse, we're going to start with you, buddy boy. What did you have? It didn't go well. <laughs> um, so I said that the Niners needed to get consistent pressure mm-hmm. and contain Josh Allen, oh, yeah. make him unable to roll mm. and get comfortable. Oh yeah. And Josh Allen was about as comfortable as a baby in their crib on silk sheets and pillows all swaddled up too um i i don't think he's even gonna have a bruise on him after i don't know after contavia street violently roughed him yeah he might be he might be messed up very i just i was i was gonna put out to you wow that's bold was what four sacks and the fourth one was gonna blow up his knee that that he blew up our defense 
I hope you're proud of yourself. You caused this. I'll be honest. That was one heck of an acting performance, too. <laughs> the head throwback, <laughs> dude. He was watching LeBron, LeBron tape yeah. this week. He was LeBron watching. would have been proud. He was 100% I, watching LeBron tape. I don't know when our most consistent pressure was Dion Jordan. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Finally living up to potential. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> at 30. Um, oh, one, one quick shout-out, though. One defensive lineman that I thought had a nice game. Again. Kevin Gibbons. He did look good, especially on rundowns. He was the reason for that fumble at the start of the game because he had blown by his guy and the running back looked up at him and he didn't take the ball. He had a couple other nice tackles. That's pretty much it. Armstead played all right against the run, but uh, was nowhere to be found pressuring the quarterback. Actually, I beg to differ. Armstead did put some pressure on him. He just he's too slow. He just just went around him, just like Kinlaw. He would get pressure up the middle, and all of a sudden you would just see Josh Allen go, ha, too slow, kid. You know, that's what it looked like. It looked like a high school kid playing with middle school kids, and he's just running around like, middle school kid. We could have got Josh Allen, but he's too fast. That was a bad key matchup, but you know what was worse than, than the defensive line not applying pressure? It was are not definitely not all pro cornerbacks against Woo! Stephon Diggs who absolutely torched us. I'll tell you this. On every single <laughs> big down of the game. Dude. What is this. good is they beat him on every route and route. <laughs> hey, yes. If our secondary was a mask, our defense would have got corona. Oh my <laughs> lord, it is accurate. It's 100 percent accurate. It didn't listen, it didn't help that when we went zone on Diggs and you could detain him for a little bit of time. Um, there was no pass rush, and so eventually a guy like Diggs is going to get open and give him that much time. But third and shorts, third and fives, where we'd send all-out pressure to try and create a rush. I mean, the one that sticks in my mind is the the outbreaking route where Verrett basic or the inbreaking route where Verrett basically just gets caught. I mean, he's completely opened up. Diggs is three almost three yards away from me, created so much separation off a little route, uh, and just he killed us every time we had a chance for a big stop or a big down and, and get the ball back and force, force a three and out, he would make a play. Second and 19, he gets 12. Third and six, he gets eight. Third and two, he gets nine. Every single time, Stefan Diggs is having one of the best seasons of his NFL career. It seems like getting out of Minnesota was the best thing for Minnesota Vikings and the best thing for Stefan Diggs. He looks like a refreshed, rejuvenated wide receiver. Him and Josh Allen have a real solid connection. I just wish our defense was healthy because I would love to see what our healthy D-line could do and the amount of pressure they could apply and how different this game would have turned out. Tip your hat to Stephon Diggs, though. Uh, he, an all-pro receiver torched us, and he got his revenge from last year in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Well, the only reason that, that Diggs is as good as he is this year compared to the past is he finally has a legitimate quarterback. Kirk Cousins is garbage. Exactly. And last year, the 49ers defense put so much pressure on Kirk Cousins the only real pass that Diggs had, that big play, was Killer Witherspoon was guarding him. Yep. And once they made that change, that game was pretty much over. Over. But my key matchup was stopping the Bills' run game, and the Bills didn't really need to run the ball because they weren't even interested in running. No, I mean they ran it a few times, and they were pretty much successful when they did. The 49ers sat in their nickel and and pretty much just said, "Okay, we're going to stop you here with this." and uh, yeah, they were just not interested. This reminded me of the Jim Kelly days, just hucking, chucking. 
and the 49ers just couldn't stop him. I mean, he was making great. That throw he made over the top of Fred Warner, oh, oh that was still one of the great throws that I've seen. Um, I have so much more respect for Josh Allen after watching this oh, game. Yeah. He showed um, up. Yeah, that, that dude is going to be scary. And actually, I'm looking forward to watching the Bills when they play the Dolphins. Yes. That defense of the Dolphins against them, it should be a good matchup. I don't count the Dolphins out, but if, if Josh Allen's, this is what we're going to see, they're not only going to win the AFC East, they have a really good chance of beating a lot of teams in the NFL. Yeah. And, I mean, a shootout with the Chiefs would be fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Big time. Make sure to watch our Friday episode. We'll be breaking down the 49ers next game, their next matchup against the Washington football team. And we are going to carve that matchup up just like Josh Allen did to the 49ers today. And we want you to watch, though, 5.30 Pacific. We'll have all the key matchups, especially Alex Smith playing the 49ers again. Um, they just came off the big win against the Steelers, so it should be an interesting matchup. This is a must-win for the 49ers. If they do not win, they will not make the playoffs. So this is a must-win. Horst, a little glimpse ahead. What are you thinking about Alex Smith coming back to San Francisco? Or actually, Arizona. Um... It's too bad because I like Alex Smith and I'm going to have to root for him to get knocked around, beat up, and lose the game. I was happy for him today when he had a nice performance against the Steelers for in, in a big win. Um, I'm, I was happy when he came back earlier this year from that gruesome injury. But um, it's not personal, Alex, but uh, you got to lose. Well, I got, oh, no. Alex. Okay, No, that, good Alex. Okay, good Alex. Yeah, not... not Athletic big, Alex. Uh, yeah, not large Alex. Uh, the, the big thing is for the 49ers is finding a way to slow down Terry McLaren, finding a way to slow down that Washington football team run game, although they didn't really have to rely on the run too much against the Steelers, and with Antonio Gibson going down, makes it a little bit easier to maybe address that run game. Uh, I don't think they're going to have as much of a problem with Logan Thomas as the Steelers had, and I think they'll be prepared for the things that Smith does and can do coming into this game. They'll have plenty of time to prepare for it, Seeing as we played on Monday, you'll play again until Sunday. Uh, so I, I, I'm not too worried about it, but crazier things have happened. That Washington football team defense is legitimate. They are the real deal. But we all know how Kyle Shanahan feels about that Washington football team organization. Yeah, he'll be motivated. I think it's going to be, can the 49ers keep focus this week with the fact that, you know, they're in a different area. They're in Arizona. They're at the hotel. And, you know, they just got to keep focus and can't let this game disrupt what they've been trying to do. I thought it was interesting that John Lynch talked about Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle had a great looking practice today on the on the field. And he said that it was looking like they could come back. I think that is going to be interesting. Can the 49ers get to the point where they can get George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo back? If they can win enough to get to that point, they have a chance to make the playoffs. I think if Nick Mullins is the quarterback that has to lead us all the way until Arizona, it's not going to happen. So if Jimmy G doesn't come back in the next two games, I think the 49ers, unfortunately, are going to come up short on making the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's a tall task right now. And beating Buffalo was tough. Beating Buffalo would be tough with a full roster. They're a very good football team. Um, don't get that twisted for you guys out there. Right. Um, but... It really hurt to lose a game this early when they needed to win probably five or six to make the playoffs. Um, they basically need to win out now and win, put it, 
win four straight. It's doable, but it's real hard to win four straight in the NFL. And it's even harder when you don't have your starting quarterback and best offensive player. Two different guys, but... Yeah, it's clarify, very, or people will go... Yeah, everyone... Yeah, they'll eat you alive for that one. They will eat you alive for it, but there's no reason to eat you alive for it because the truth of the matter is is they have more than just two key guys of this team missing. They have a lot of guys missing. And the 49ers now have a chance to make me a profit by winning out the rest of their games and making my wow, that's bold, that they were going to basically win all but one game down the stretch here at the end of the season and get into the playoffs at a cool 9-7. and seven. Yeah, we can hope for that 9-7. and seven. They can do it, I believe. But we definitely need Jimmy Garoppolo back in order to accomplish that. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think if we don't have Jimmy back, it's going to be a tall order. But I do think the defense is going to have a better performance against the football team, yeah. who happens to be my favorite mascot at this point. Absolutely. Just the football team. Hey, they're just, they're just a W. They're literally a walking W, guys. My wow, that's bold, is that I will have to restart about six times during next week, the filming of the next podcast for calling them the R-word. That's probably very accurate. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going... I have actually gotten very used to the whole football team thing. I have. Yeah. Hey, Michael Strahan slipped up on uh, NFL Sunday this this weekend. Did he call them the Westkins? He called, he, like the he called them the name of, of the, the Indian thing. Yeah, he, he called them that. And Considering and, my heritage is yeah. Indian, can I say Indian? You can. Can I say... No, you have to say... I, I don't think that's accurate. I think that's a horse cut. I think that might be a horse cut, and I think we're completely <laughs> I got one. We're derailing. We we're derailed. completely derailed. We, we need to get back on track. What makes the red man red? <laughs> G-Mini Christmas. <laughs> be sure to be here on Friday. Ant already said it. I'll repeat it. Be here Friday. Big show. <laughs> big week. You two are having a blast down there. But I think I think I know what time it might be, Ant. It is. It's time to chalk another one up. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! It is true though. It is. It is true. <laughs> oh my! And Horst is losing it. Losing it on set. <laughs> this is usually me, right? I'm usually the one. <laughs> You make a dream, baby. <laughs> make a dream, baby. <laughs> I, I call who you're me. <laughs> <laughs>